Welcome to Cancer Out Loud, the cancer care podcast, a show featuring conversations with people living with cancer, caregivers, survivors, loved ones, and the bereaved. Cancer Out Loud illuminates topics like self-advocacy in the face of barriers to care, end-of-life arrangements, meaning-making, and how personal relationships are impacted by cancer. This podcast is produced by Cancer Care, the leading national organization providing free professional support services to anyone affected by cancer. Well, well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care Podcast. My name is AJ Sincata Eichenfield, and I'm an oncology social worker at Cancer Care and also the Cancer Out Loud program coordinator. I'm pleased to, to be able to introduce Rick Dickens, who is a longtime part of the cancer care world and community. And I, I just want to open space for you to talk about your experience with cancer care and kind of where it all started, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Thanks, AJ. It's my pleasure being part of this and this wonderful series that Cancer Care has put together on people's stories. My story with Cancer Care began way back, I think it was the 52nd year of Cancer Care. Actually, it started out in 1991 when, as a 37-year-old person working in a different profession completely in corporate America and other areas, I developed a non-Hodgkin lymphoma. At that time, it was incurable. It still is that type of lymphoma incurable. With newer treatments in the last number of years, it's become treatable, and people are living a long lifetime with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I chose, when my first recurrence, I chose to have an allogeneic bone marrow transplant, thanks to my sister. So it took 10 years or so, but... Back in about 2001, any hematologist sometimes would tell me that I am likely cured of my non-Hodgkin lymphoma and very pleased. To backtrack, though, with the diagnosis of that lymphoma in 1991, and I was a marathon runner, a competitive marathon runner. I was in great shape. And the last thing I thought was that I would get cancer. It was a time that AIDS was going around in the U.S. and definitely in New York City, and and I knew many people who had AIDS. So the first thought was, as a young man, that maybe it was AIDS, but I didn't have AIDS. I have non-Hodgkin lymphoma. I didn't even know what lymphoma was. In that blur of understanding and getting connected to the treatments and such, and it is a blur, and our research and my role in cancer care, we've spoken to thousands of cancer patients, cancer caregivers, and bereaved. And it seems universal that everyone goes into this period of shock when they hear those three words, you have cancer. I didn't realize how universal that was till I went through that. In the first month or so, you're walking through necessary practical issues that you have to do as a cancer patient, finding an oncologist, finding a treatment center, working with your insurance if you have it. And then all of a sudden, one day you're in treatment and you just kind of wake up out of this daze and go, what happened? Where am I? 
And I definitely went through that. And at that point, I live in New York City. Cancer Care is headquartered in New York City. And I was riding to work on the subway, and it was something they only did for one year. And I look up, and there was an advertisement for Cancer Care. And I immediately followed up on that. That was probably about three, four months into my initial six-month chemotherapy regimen on the first bout of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And as I've come to recognize over the years, especially as director of client advocacy at Cancer Care, I've come to recognize when I speak to pharmaceutical companies and government agencies and other advocacy groups, I look back on my 25 years at Cancer Care and state it this way, I am alive because of pharma and the medications and the drugs and the healthcare industry but I survived because of cancer care. And I think in many ways that is the richness of cancer care and that is the holistic nature of cancer treatment that we as a nation are moving forward toward that it's not just helping people live and survive, it's helping people recognize and manage and find some hope and also a way back into life, a life that's often very changed. And the irony of some of this was that after working in corporate America and coming to New York, pursuing some acting and doing some modeling and working in a number of different industries and areas, I realized that I wanted to get more involved in um, helping people. And I'd done a lot of volunteer work throughout my life so I decided to go back to graduate school in social work. And there was some irony in that after knowing I had something wrong and the months which many patients go through of doctors trying to ascertain what is going on, on a Monday I got accepted into Columbia University School of Social Work. And the next day I opened my mail and I got a, an official diagnosis of cancer. I had already been planning on changing my career of some sort. It was my life experiences doing volunteer work, active in my church, that I decided to go back and become a social worker. I liked the broad outreach of social work and the many different areas that one could work in, but I really had a strong passion for end of life and disease, probably working in AIDS or in cancer, having lost many people, friends and family to both. So when I had applied to graduate schools, I was very excited to find out who would accept me and, and get those acceptance letters. But I was also in the process of finding out what was going on with me. And that went on for several months, different doctors, different tests, especially with blood cancers. That's not unusual. So it was somewhat of a synchronicity and I was told that in all probability at that time, in 19, early 1990s, I was in excellent shape, but probably could expect maybe 10 years to live if I was lucky. So it was a death sentence without a doubt. But again, going back to being on the subway, dealing with this, in many ways, I had many teachers, people who were my age and such, who had gotten AIDS. And I had people who had kind of offered me a vision of what it's like to face your own mortality at a young age, 
but dealing with a cancer myself. I never really thought of why me, probably because of my religious background, often thought, why not me? Bad things happen to good people, just like good things happen to bad people. And I adjusted then to, what do I do with this? And that was the time that I was on the subway and really discovered cancer care. And I joined a young adult group at that time, and I just found it so helpful. I hear this when I run groups now all the time that people say that friends and family could be very, very supportive, very loving and want to help. But if they haven't gone through cancer, they could empathize having other losses and definitely sympathize having experienced other stressors. But they can't quite understand the unique nature of cancer. So joining a support group and at age of 36, 37, a young adult support group really helped me put it in perspective a good bit more of what I was dealing with, helped me understand and speak to other people who were dealing with the same thing. So I got a better idea of what options were out there. And believe it or not, definitely it took some of the stress and strain off dealing with cancer and in support groups, even years later, when I've run many patient support groups, there was also a lot of laughter. There was a sense of some control. And being in New York City, I was at a, a very, very well-established and recognized cancer center for my treatment. So I was very fortunate that way. That said, I went through the cancer treatment, I took a good, I chose a very aggressive treatment because of my physical health at that time. And it was very, very difficult. Lasting effect from that is neuropathy in my hands and feet. And I did go into graduate school then. I did miss the first year of graduate school because of my treatment. I put that on hold and then I entered Columbia University School of Social Work. And through that time, I was beginning to decide probably where I wanted to work in New York City and again in either cancer or AIDS preferably and diseases that really focused on end-of-life issues or really brought them up a lot of times. Because of that and my own cancer and because knowing that my type of cancer would come back, that there was a lot of options for treatment of it, I also knew my time was limited and wanted to get through, through treatment and finish graduate school so I could start a new job and I could get good insurance. And then in the second year of graduate school, I found out that my cancer had recurred. And that created a lot of problems in terms of the inefficiency of my conversion policy and finding other opportunities for coverage, eventually ending up on Medicaid for my transplant. The other thing is, too, between my first and second year of graduate school, I realized when and if I started working that this summer off between first and second year of graduate school would probably be the last extended time off I might have for the rest of my life. So I decided I really wanted to go deeper into death, into the dying procedure, did some research, and realized going to India and working with Mother Teresa's order there, the Missionaries of Charity, would probably be the best opportunity. 
So with the help of my church and a couple of churches and some individuals, I wrote a proposal and spent the summer of 1993 working at Kaligat, often referred to as Kaligat, but in Hindi called Nirmal Hride, Place of the Pure Heart. And that was the first place that Mother Teresa opened her clinics. And I spent time there, just really very, very basic. Nobody who in America who's not gone to developing countries and such could fully understand the lack of access to basic care. So this was a clinic with really no medical facilities to speak of. It was simply taking care of people who had almost died on the street and were provided some meals. It was very, very humbling. And there I was able to witness not only illness and deprivation, even though there was language barriers and I could really witness and participate in a real human connection and just helping. And of course, in that process, also witnessing the death of many people and helping bring them, because many of them were the homeless, bringing them to their final resting place. That was very humbling and meaningful for me and really guided me as I went back to graduate school finished my master's degree in social work, and then went into actually practicing social work. Carrying the stories and the experiences of those people I witnessed in India and knowing that as an American in New York, even somebody on Medicaid and really struggling at that time because of my wishes to go back to school and such, how lucky I was not only in the treatment I had and the access to care, but how lucky I was in terms of the love and support I had from my church, from my family, from my friends, from my community. And when I graduated, because my cancer had come back, I knew right away that I couldn't find a job for a good while. And I had an option of other treatments, knowing that the success of that treatment would diminish over time and my response to the treatments would be shorter and shorter between recurrences. I opted to have an allogeneic bone marrow transplant thanks to the help of my sister, who's always been kind of a soulmate. We've grown up together, and she was a perfect match. So my last year of graduate school, I went through BALD, but then I did have to go through a, a substantial oral chemotherapy, which was like giving myself the flu every month. But I got through it, and 40 days in the hospital, again, was another humbling experience, amazing staff in the hospital. And then I started out my social work career after a good six months of recovery in working with in a geriatric unit and one of the first AIDS units. But in terms of my work, it really just had a big impact on my ability to help, my witnessing to the struggles of life itself. And in many ways, I like to think the broad reach of life and the broad impact of crisis and struggles on different lives and prepared me after I discovered that there was an opportunity to apply for a job at cancer care. And how could I say no? 
Well, I'm I'm glad that you didn't say no, and and thank you for for getting us started and and sharing in the way that you did. And I think something that I'm wondering, based on what you've talked about so far, is and and you've spoken a bit to it already, but kind of how cancer care was helpful to you, and and also how you've been helpful to cancer care over the years, and and kind of where and and how that transition took place, and what it meant in the context of your life, in the context of your illness experience, to, to, you know, to hold all of those realities, to be someone who was engaged in services at cancer care and then began, you know, what became this long and, and storied career here. Terrific. So after interviewing at cancer care, I was offered a position. I know for me, it didn't hardly take a minute I think after the interview and after the invitation to interview, I could just sit down with myself and even look at what my life would look like from corporate America to working a nonprofit and something like cancer care. For me, it became a call from the beginning, a call to witness cancer in the midst of witnessing the AIDS epidemic and witnessing family and friends dying of cancer as well, to going through cancer, and then now coming out prepared with the credentials to actually work among those people and to actually be able to empathize. And my story really isn't important to my work with others for a long time. As a social worker, it really wasn't important. And that's a a clear demarcation of counseling is not really my story. So many people didn't know that I was a cancer survivor. On occasion, they would ask. Of course, over 25 years of offering counseling and speaking on this issue at many conferences and within cancer cares, outreach and such many times, and with the introduction of, of the internet, Many times patients that I work with or caregivers will find out about my history, but many times now I do find there is some relevance. I know as a patient, I always appreciated people who would share with me that they had gone through cancer as well. There were questions I might ask, but ultimately I respected the fact that that was their private issue and experience. And what they could provide me had to do with me and addressing how cancer impacted my life. And I carried that into the work of counseling and service within cancer care, that it is about the cancer patient, that there might be a kindred connection on occasion to know that the person they're working with also is a cancer survivor, can give them hope, albeit no matter how different the cancers are and can help them just recognize um, and open them up to the reality that there are millions of other Americans who have gone through cancer. When you're diagnosed with cancer, you often think you're the only one and you become very sensitive to hearing about cancer and news stories and, and around you and you think, oh my gosh, what's happening? Where's all this cancer? And that too plays out in how one responds to their cancer. February 10th, 1997, I joined Cancer Care. And a lot of that was answering calls and reaching out to people who called Cancer Care. This was before the internet. 
And it was life-changing, not just being a social worker, but being able to work with people going through what I had gone through, being able to be witness to that, and being able, through my training and through my compassion and through my life and through my experiences, being able to help them practically, emotionally, deal with their cancer and the implications of that throughout their whole life. One of the beauties of social work, I've often thought from the beginning, one of the strengths of social work, which is sometimes underplayed, is although, especially in hospital settings and in healthcare, we work in interdisciplinary teams, but what we bring to it is a holistic approach because we work with the whole family. And what we bring to that in our training is we are systems experts. So we look at somebody holistically. We are working with them within the medical system, and we try to help them navigate that. But they have a family system. They might have a religious system. They might have a work system. There's a whole bunch of systems. And cancer doesn't not impact all of those in some way or other. So a social worker really helps somebody look at the presenting crisis of treatment. But over time, as one begins to settle into that, and it does have a life of its own once you have a treatment team and a plan and everything like that, helping people look at how this plays out in their goals, in their future, for their children, for their spouses, for their friends, in their work, and everywhere. And so my social work degree was a an amazing gift and cancer care was probably the culmination of all of that and helping me come full circle. Because of my background, because I came as a mature middle-aged adult, I just turned early 40s when I started working at cancer care for the first couple of years, I got to run the young adult group. And in a lot of my counseling as well, I got to work with family members and oftentimes got a better, although it wasn't about me as a worker, got a better understanding and hearing their stories, especially with caregivers, and understanding better what my family and friends went through as caregivers during my cancer. Again, always focusing on where the client is. Cancer care was such a rich I'm thinking of it almost within the context metaphorically of soil, a place where new seeds can grow professionally and new seeds in terms of new direction for patients and new seeds in terms of new impact on the whole healthcare industry around cancer. It was a place that allowed for creativity. So not just providing counseling, and not just eventually being the people who answered our hope line, which is the first point of entry for clients into cancer care and getting actually a voice of a professional to begin to tell their story and begin to express their needs where they're at during this journey of cancer. 
And to help somebody slow things down and prioritize what is most important in this jumble and this systems that are interacting and out of control is such a privileged role. Taking those calls over and over do take a toll on social workers, but one has to remember that each call is an individual call. Each call is a unique individual, a unique person. Most of the time or oftentimes confronting cancer for the first time in their life. So to reach each person as an individual is what social work so often trains us for. Start where the patient is. That's a universal statement in all social work schools around the country. Start where the patient is. And cancer care initially really was just a local organization. Historically, what I have to offer, and a few of us who've been around this long, I think I'm about the last one. There's one other colleague. People would call cancer care, and, and for any older listeners, we would have to go to the receptionist, you will understand, and get these pink message slips of who we had to call back. Cancer care was regional with headquarters in Long Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York, and we were able to reach people. Of course, that, that changed rather rapidly then once the technology came on board. But at that time, almost all of our services initially when I came were face-to-face, and we really worked directly w- with individuals. Within my first year, I had to do the assignments for people, when to man the phones, what hours to be on the phones. Shortly after that, I was able to take over a committee, and that was staff development, It's very important anywhere the professionals continue to get training. And so that would be a whole day once a month with a speaker in the morning, oftentimes a renowned oncologist from around the city who would come and talk about different cancers to our staff of social workers and interns and such. And then in the afternoon, we would get a a clinical presentation by a psychiatrist psychologist or somebody with that expertise. And then we would also have an opportunity to provide some case studies to professionals. So I ran that for about five years and it became a program and I had a great team to work with. And with my background in hematologic cancers, I developed the blood cancers program. And during that time, probably was when it was an opportunity to go and speak to blood cancer's patients, not only through cancer care, but through other advocacy organizations that specialized in blood cancers, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, Lymphoma Research Foundation, and many smaller ones, in which I would include my story to the staff or sometimes to patients, but also talk about different areas of expertise. For me, during my cancer and prior to my cancer, as a spiritual person with the introduction of complementary medicines and complementary alternative medicines and eventually integrative medicine. I had a vast interest in that, and that was very helpful in terms of my own cancer treatment. So I began to develop that even more, meditation, visualization, and imagery, which is visualization. And then thanks to my sister, who was my blood cancer donor and runs today a 30-year drumming circle 
And she taught me about drumming and the impact of not the drum as music therapy, but the drum as vibration therapy. So with those elements, I got the opportunities to speak around the country, not only at conferences where I would submit abstracts, and not only on integrative medicines and their holistic impact in helping patients, bereaved caregivers deal with the stressors of cancer, but also on many other topics, caregiver issues. And definitely there were a whole myriad of topics, about 30 different cancer topics that I would submit to conferences, interests of mine that developed out of the work. And I enjoy writing, so I had the opportunity to write as well. And then also Cancer Care invited me to develop a mind-body-spirit project. And as these opportunities continued to grow, I began to submit abstracts internationally and won an award in my first international conference that was sent to the fifth international social work conference in health and mental health, which was in Hong Kong in 2016. And I did a presentation on mind, body, spirit, those three modalities of meditation, imagery, and vibration as therapy to a room of 250 people and a two-hour presentation. And from that, I even developed both personally on my own in different areas, but also within primarily the purview of cancer care, full-day workshop on mind-body-spirit modalities. And I've been able to do that in South Africa, throughout Australia and Canada, Ireland, and definitely throughout the country in hour-long or full-day workshops. Again, what I'm saying here is cancer care was a breeding ground for social workers, a breeding ground to really explore the full dimension of cancer and its impact, full of opportunities and, and full of oftentimes young professionals who in their 20s and such maybe hadn't even experienced cancer, but found themselves working there or wanted to work there because of some experience from a family member or a friend who had cancer. And we're just exploding with ideas how to help with compassion and passion. And cancer care continued to offer those opportunities from developing breast cancer programs to colon cancer programs, to hematologic cancer programs, to young adult programs, to children programs, to an endless array of programs, definitely. And the opportunities to bring the voice of the patient to pharmaceutical industries and to government and to other advocacy organizations. And a lot of this was all transpiring during a time that 25 years when the internet was just exploding and cancer care met that exceedingly and our contact around the country became so much easier in terms of telephone and online groups then began to get developed. And Dr. Carolyn Messner, our director of education who started out as a social worker, created the what we call Connect Education Workshops, which are really hour-long teleconferences with leading experts, oncologists and nurses and social workers and legal experts that present to people, which include people from around the world listening in to cancer care and what's happening within cancer care and all of these different 
program opportunities, which just really make the job of social work, the career of social work, the opportunities within social work, and of delivering cancer services to people so much richer. But it is a job. It's a career. And it's not all easy and not all fun. But there's richness to it, even in the sacrifice. And and that's that's kind of what I want to speak to with the next question. Just I, I think for me, it's amazing to hear the reach of some of the work that you've done at Cancer Care and in your own personal and professional life, thinking about like global conferences and all of the writing and presenting that you've done. And, and I know that also translates to impacting the lives of so many people with cancer, caregivers, people who are bereaved uh, across the country and, and clearly ac- across the world, and, and professionals as well. And I think something that I'm wondering is just how you've sustained yourself in the work. What, what has carried you through it, you know, kind of from that time where you're sitting on the train and you looked up and you saw that ad to now and, and now where you are in your career uh, how how have you sustained yourself in this work over the years that you've you've been doing it? AJ, that's a great question. Question that I ask myself over and over because it's not easy. I was taken aback within the first year or so of providing service, how close cancer was to me and working with cancer patients. And there was a period that I actually questioned whether I could continue this work especially when somebody was assigned to me who was the donor for a brother's allogeneic bone marrow transplant, and he didn't survive. And I know talking to young social workers through the years who have been interns who have had cancer, who have lost grandparents or parents or siblings to cancer, good friends, some of them have had to leave cancer care because it was too close. And it's something you can't know till you experience it. Cancer care was so rich in the amount of social workers and different approaches and different ways that we can help in different personalities. And I had such good supervision. I expressed that to my supervisor, who was somebody of my age and is still a friend. And we had similar sort of ways of providing our service. And She was the one who told me indirectly that there were other people on staff who were cancer survivors. Now, some, I guess, had been open during their treatment and others were quiet about it. And there was a small, very small group of us who did out ourselves to each other and agreed that during our lunch hours on occasion, we would get together as a small group to share how being cancer survivors and working in cancer really impacted us professionally and personally. And that really was helpful. That really was a grounding for me. And I know for a couple of those people, they said the same thing because they had not done something like that before and they kept it kind of quiet, even though they did feel that, that angst. So for younger social workers, care of self then goes back to what I said about systems knowing systems. It's a job. It's a career, but it is a job. And cancer care, like all organizations that pay people, have obligations. The social workers couldn't do their job if there weren't financial people, if there weren't communications people, if there weren't directors, if there weren't people advocating 
with Washington and other things like that. So it's a bunch of systems that make the whole system work. And you're dealing with a lot of personalities and definitely a, a, in a career and in a profession that it's really heightened in terms of the stories we hear constantly. And sometimes you think you can deal with it really well. And then sometimes a story hits you that just rocks your boat and you need to step away for a little bit. That's why it's really wonderful that cancer care offers supervision as well for its social workers. But for people in other departments, sometimes they don't hear the stories. And when they do get to hear the stories, the good work that they're doing, not on the front lines, but that they're contributing to, it can also challenge them. That's why it's really important to know what you need, especially for social workers who are the front line of cancer care, the biggest group of cancer care. We are an oncology social work agency. Get to know yourself in the process. The work is helping other people, but we're offering supportive counseling. And it touches on very, very intimate personal details. And we are the container of these stories that people bring into our offices and into our work. Containers I sometimes see as these things that are sealed up. So over the years, I began to see myself as a sponge. And I would suggest younger social workers or newer people see themselves as a sponge that you take in these stories. You're a non-judgmental, unbiased person to listen to these challenges and stories and sadness and grief that people bring into your work. And then to reflect back and to share some of your expertise and how they might be able to manage that. But if you turn it into a container that you keep sealing and filling up, the office becomes full of containers very quickly and the body does too. So thinking of it as a sponge, either every day or every week or every month, you have to think of wringing that sponge out, letting all that pain and and anguish and sadness and, and unfairness and imperfection of the healthcare system have to let it go. One has to really let it go. Yeah, and, and that can be, it can be so hard to do. And I know it's something I, I struggled with early in my career as a social worker. And, and to this day, it's those, those issues and those systematic flaws and, and problems and are so big and, and so hard to hold. And, and then kind of thinking about some of the ways that you've talked about cancer care as being a space where new social workers enter the field of oncology social work and, and can learn so much. Something that I can certainly attest to as a, a social worker on the newer end of the spectrum, but who's now been at cancer care for a couple of years. But I wonder, and, and you've alluded occasionally to the fact that, that this episode kind of coincides with your retirement and the closure of your career at cancer care. But I, I wonder if you could speak more to that a little bit, what it's like to be ending now. Uh, and also from that experience, kind of what words you'd impart to an oncology social worker who's, who's just starting today, especially with the, the acknowledgement of how big and intricate the systems that we work within are and, and how hard it can be to, to navigate that for, for our clients and, and how, how we can be helpful to them in that experience. I've had the opportunity to share so much about a, a very rich 
life, a life that's now a senior citizen and included years before cancer care, but deconstructing my life. I looked at really my life had been moving all the time towards something like social work and cancer care, how I got so lucky that it all came together while I still had life is so rich, so rich and so humbling. I have to almost pause even in sharing this, just this opportunity to share my story because it, it really it, it really brings up, I don't wanna call it sadness. It, it brings up an array of emotions. In fact, none of it's really sad per se, but it brings me to retiring and looking at a whole life. And cancer care will be probably a third of my life or almost a third of my life if I'm lucky enough, but those stories go with you. Those stories become part of you. Those stories enrich your life. Those stories leave scars. Those stories, including opportunities, introduce you to other passionate people and other careers in other professions. And in looking back, I realized that for me, I always enjoyed and loved the human story. And I always enjoyed the rich breadth of it from the ones who are really marginalized because of race, because of socioeconomic factors, because of education. But their story is just as rich as the ones who really are devising the systems and making all of this profit along the way or have access to the best health care in the world. There is a lot of inequity, and we take that with us as social workers, but there is a lot of beauty and the beauty, especially in the work. And it took me several years to realize this as a social worker. I jokingly like to say it, living in New York and having friends and, and knowing people in my community in my church and elsewhere who are lawyers and doctors and entrepreneurs and teachers and things like that. And when you're at cocktail parties and people always ask in New York, what do you do? And they would say what they do. And then I would say, I work with cancer patients and bereaved and caregivers. And there was always silence. And some people would exit because they really didn't want to hear about that or it hit a chord. And other people would stand there and go, how do you do what you do? And having done a lot of those other careers, I would pause and say, well, how do you do what you do? And often generate a laugh. <laughs> Because the truth is, cancer care couldn't exist without people of all those other gifts and passions that they bring to the work. So resilience, as I, as I come to the end of my career and, and maybe the end of a full-time job, I don't plan on, on sitting around doing nothing. I volunteered and I also love learning over and over about the human condition. And I will continue to do that and perhaps have a private practice one day or perhaps even consult or do something again with cancer care or some other advocacy organization. I have a lot of knowledge. I definitely would love to share that and would love to continue to grow. And that's what resilience kind of moves toward is hope. Help and hope. 
that's been Cancer Care's logo, I'm assuming maybe since the beginning, for over 75 years, if not at least during my 25 years here and, and before it. Help. We're there to help people. We don't expect much at all. And definitely, again, in terms of individuals, how do we care for ourselves? The truth is sometimes for many people, it means stepping away. For some, it means finding a new direction and a new passion. But you always will bring what you learned whenever you move on. But help, it is a helping profession. Cancer care is about helping. Our frustration, because we don't have enough resources to address all the needs of people. And we're at the front lines trying to help people recognize it's not their fault that they haven't found that support. It doesn't exist sometimes. So that's the help that we offer. Sometimes it's concrete and practical. Other times it's just grounding them in the center of who they are and how they've gotten to this point in life and how they've managed other challenges and crises and how they're going to get through this one. And then that takes us to hope. There has to be some hope. There has to be some hope. And hope sometimes is centered in dreams, hanging on to dreams. And we could always dream. We could always dream even that you have a good end, resolve conflict and things like that. And that hope could exist also within careers, within all different family systems, not just family systems, but within one's life. And as I near my retirement, I look back on my cancer experience, the life that preceded it, and and the life of at Cancer Care is, is a journey. A journey works for me, definitely. I look on it as a journey, and a journey that's going to continue, but I look at, on it as a journey that, unbeknownst to me, got richer and richer along the way, and oftentimes because the, the bigger the challenges, enriched my passion for helping, enriched my passion for respecting all of life, for hoping for the best for all individuals, and to be able to play a small part in that leaves me feeling content and hopeful. So I really just want to thank you for taking time out of some of your last days at Cancer Care before your retirement and being willing to have this conversation with me. And I, I hope it can be something that exists in, in, in a published form that you can you feel is like a marker of, of your time and all that you've given to all of the people that you've worked with, both the clients that you've worked with, but also all of us on the, the social work team and across all the other departments at Cancer Care. And, and this, this is a bigger question, so kind of take it with a grain of salt and answer in whatever way you feel comfortable. But is there a message that you would want to share with all of those people that you worked with in, in all of those different capacities? Something that you want to put out there to them as you take the next step in your life and in your career? Something that you want to, a message that you want to leave for them? So as I wrap up my career at Cancer Care, again, I, I hope and pray that I have continued interactions with Cancer Care. And indirectly, then I wrap up my career with 25 years of 
hundreds of people who've passed through cancer care, hundreds of colleagues, and thousands of clients. I would leave probably two different stories or, or messages. To the clients, thank you. You've shared already. Many of you have in written notes or phone calls or contributions by sharing your story with Cancer Care, which keeps Cancer Care alive and going. For those who do have money, sometimes money for those who are creative or artists, you've shared art or you've shared silent auction gifts or you've shared volunteer hours or you've shared so many ways or a corporate matching fund. So there's many ways that you share and you share that always with gratitude. And that gratitude really gives us strength. I've worked, as I said, so many different disciplines. I wouldn't be at cancer care for 25 years if I hadn't constantly heard from my clients, from notes from clients and letters from clients and, and the clients my colleagues hear from. They keep us going and they remind us what, how valuable cancer care is to so many people as well as professionals who turn to us seeking help and seeking a referral resource that they could count on. Even though there's so many out there and they're well-meaning, there is almost nothing as personal and holistic as cancer care. And that is what keeps us going. And that's what I pass on to the staff, all of you, all of you who do the work, and so much of the work is repetitive, from the social workers to the finance people, to our communications, to our development team. It's the same walks, the same runs, the same people you reach out to, the same callers you get, but they're all individuals. And they all have systems. And all of their systems, many, if not all of them, are going to have cancer patients caregivers and bereaved who are going to need help one day. And you are providing that continuity. You are part of something that's existed for over 75 years. And let yourself hear and, and integrate that gratitude that we hear from so many people. Let yourself sit back when it gets most frustrating and balance that frustration with the gratitude of the programs you've been to develop, you've been able to develop, or the presentations you've been able to give, or the journal or nursing article you were able to write, and how you touched other people's lives. Take what you've done here, what you've experienced here, including the struggles, including how you can make them better. We're advocates, social workers. And as an agency, we're an advocate agency. Advocating means within your system and outside your system to make the system itself better, more equitable for everyone who is part of that. Social workers, that's the core of our training. Nonprofit work, that's a core of our mission. And I hope each of you, when you get to your end at cancer care, We'll look back on it as so enriching and reward yourselves and applaud yourselves and pass that on 
and the way that you continue to provide service through your life and just wrap yourself again in the gratitude. Cancer care in my 25 years couldn't be at a better place, I'm saying to all of my colleagues and to all the work then that you provide to all the people around the country and the world who comes to us for some leadership, insight, help, and hope. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of the names of all the people. You all know how much you mean to me and how much you've inspired me and how much you've enriched my career and my life. It's a great organization. Reward yourself. There's good days and bad days for all of us all the time. That's life. But to be part of an organization as rich as cancer care is a privilege. To contribute to that is a real gift. That's what I take away. And I so appreciate you being willing to say all of those things and to, to share all that you've shared today. And before before we end, I, I do really want to thank you one last time and thank you so much for all that you've given, not, not only to the podcast and in the context of this episode, but all that you've given to the, the numerous clients that you've worked with across the, the sphere of those that cancer care helps, right? People with cancer, caregivers, those who are bereaved, and, and for all that you've done in the advocacy space and all that you've done for cancer care over the years, and for who you've been as a co-worker to me and to all the other social workers and, and just in general for your, for your contributions to the oncology social work community on the whole. Uh, it's so, so very appreciated. And yeah, certainly you taking the time to be here today as you bring your, your time at cancer care to a close, but also just you taking the time and, and the dedication that you've given to this job and to the field over the years and, and who you've been for all of those people. Thank you, AJ. I will take that with me. I couldn't have, have gotten it from a better person. And, and I want to take this moment, too, because it's going to end quickly, AJ, is, is, again, we've only known each other for a short time, but because of the impact, a lot of what I'm talking about here and a lot of my life experience, because of our getting to know each other happened at Camp Sunshine and around Fanconi anemia, which touched my heart. It was such a, a, an enriching place. And to have met you, and a little bit your mom, I, I met her more later. I didn't have much interaction with her there. And your youthfulness, your passion was so obvious. This is really an honor to end my work here. And, and I've always felt like you've been part of this team long before I knew you. And it's been a pleasure. And I hope your your career, your life goes. And I, you've got a lot, a lot more to offer. So whether it's at cancer care or elsewhere, I hope you find ways to build on the passion. Your passion's already obviously there. And so it's been a pleasure. And I hope our paths do continue to cross. And, and you know, I, I certainly appreciate you saying that. And I, I always thought that was such an interesting part of my beginning at cancer care. You were definitely one of the, the first people that I recognized uh, immediately because we had crossed paths before I ended up at Cancer Care. And I, I thought that was just such a, a nice connection and, and interstitial moment. And just in my professional journey of, of the connection to my family's past work, and I, I like that you were there to, to help bridge that gap. And thank you for, for all that you shared just moments ago as well. And as I wrap, wrap up my 25 years at Cancer Care, I just want to say thanks. 
Thanks to anyone who listens to this. Thanks to letting me be a part of your healing. Thanks to my colleagues who inspired me and shared the journey with me. Thanks for the work we all do. Just thanks, gratitude. That's what I would like to leave Cancer Care with my gratitude. Thanks for listening to Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care podcast. Cancer Care is the leading national nonprofit organization providing free professional support services, including case management, counseling, support groups, educational resources, and financial assistance to anyone affected by cancer. You can visit us online at cancercare.org or call our toll-free Hope line at 800-813-HOPE. That's 800-813-4673 to speak with a master's prepared oncology social worker.